Welcome to the e-commerce profitability show, a podcast by Link My Books. We speak with profitable e-commerce store owners and experts to help your e-commerce business become profitable because revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. I'm your host, Dan Little. Today's guest is someone who's founded multiple companies. He's been named Entrepreneur of the Year and he turned the entire accountancy industry on its head. Today, we're with the founder and CEO of the online accountancy firm, Crunch. Let's welcome Darren Fell to the e-commerce profitability show. Thank you very much, Dan. Very pleased to be here. At least I'm slightly warm with the way you're at. Yeah, minus 10 here. What's it like for you? <laughs> I think it's about six. What is it? Seven. Seven degrees. Wow. So 17 degrees difference. <laughs> so there you go. And today, we're going to be talking about how to get your accountant to help you become more profitable. I'm going to go through a few questions with Darren and we're going to pick his brain. And we're going to start with a little bit of a background-based question. So over 40,000 people use Crunch. What were the major milestones along the way to this number? And at what point did you bring in more people to scale that number further? Yeah, we've been going for some time. 2009 is where we launched. And we launched with myself, my operations director as a client manager. I think we had Steve, my original partner, ex-HMRC tax specialist coming in to answer questions ad hocly. And then suddenly it went ballistic. And then before I knew it, we had... 16 people packed into an 800 square foot basement office with an air conditioning tube going up the fire escape, trying to keep us cool. Then we seem to take over like 4,000 square foot floor plates in this old perfume factory that looks onto home station, like stacks of accountants, stacks of client managers. And then we got, we got all the way up to 200 people just wow. at the pandemic. And then we've got a little bit uh, skinnier these days. We've become more efficient. The system does more automation, processes are slicker, and now we're down to 125. So yeah, that's 40,000 software users and about 8,500 full service counting customers. Nice. Yeah, it's not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. It's not too shabby at all. And so Crunch is your second company that you founded and as an entrepreneur, not an accountant. So what unique perspective are you able to bring to the industry, do you think, as a non-accountant? I think it's it's an utterly unique experience as, as all the accountants looking on are going, why is he doing that? Uh, how has he done this? Uh, and then other people from the business side are looking at it and going, how the hell have you done this without any private equity or venture capital? So from every perspective, it's a very, very different approach. And the approach is fundamentally that I believed, having had a bad experience with an accountant, that you need not just the software, you need the service all built in or for a low price that's charged monthly. And that's the simple offering. Now, of course, we've got endless copycats now that come and go. But that's, yeah, the fundamental perspective was that this surely could be done better. And as a businessman and entrepreneur, I want to have a beautifully colorful app that's almost like it doesn't exist anymore, like the learning center where this box, fill this box in. There's the total. Here's how much tax I have to pay live. Here's how I do an invoice. Everything is kept simple. It's designed for the user, not for an accountant as Zero and QuickBooks really are because that's that channel to market. So yeah, the perspectives for Crunch are all very, very different to your ordinary tradition accountant who's punting a, a bit of software that they like and they use. Some clients obviously like using those bits of software, but in the main... The whole perspective is designing it for the end customer who's not an accountant, who's often not good with numbers. Yeah. 
So am I right in thinking that you focus on contractors, freelancers, small businesses, and now most recently in e-commerce as well? Yeah, so we we started off, we fell into contractors because we started off with limited companies. So it's a completely unique system. It was £59.50. It was unheard of to have limited company accounts for that level, including that, including the year end. And it, it got to about 2017. And I said to the board and the whole leadership team, you know, I, I don't want to be in this contractor space solely. I love you know, a lot of the contractors out there, but I want to go much, much wider. I'd love to look after the dog walkers, the yoga teachers, the artists, the musicians. I want Crunch to help you know, the people. And I want to go down to, it shouldn't be called down to, but to the basic user need of, I want a tax return done. And I don't want to have to have a limited company just to get that done. So we've gone down to that level. So anybody who's a landlord or inadvertently a landlord, they, you know, they've moved in with their partner. They've got a you know, they're flat, they want to rent out. They're, oh my God, I have to do my tax return now. The standalone self-assessment system for anybody, literally, we can deal with. And this is a, a conversation, a topic. I always wanted to do e-commerce. Yeah. And what people don't realize is there's two companies to crunch. There's E-Dash Crunch Limited, which is the core holding company with all the majority of the staff. But we're also a chartered certified accountancy practice with the ACCA. So that's the connection in there. Now, the ACCA people we've had, Crunch tends to create this amazing culture where people just stay. We've got like, operations director 14 years, lots of people seven, 10 years. And we've probably got the most qualified team we've ever had with you know, ACCA qualifications, a tax qualification, uh, numerous qualifications, MBAs, you name it. And they were desperate to get involved in more complicated, more exciting businesses. And to be honest with you, we had so many clients asking us for e-commerce that, as you know, I reached out to you. You're pretty much the first person I reached out to. We're doing it. We're absolutely doing e-commerce. And the accountants were, oh, thank God, this is brilliant. We can't wait to get involved in these these more complicated businesses. And yeah, they want the most complex e-commerce businesses that have gone global are the most complicated you could ever, ever imagine. Yeah, no, and I agree. I think that that's obviously why we exist as well, Link My Books, in terms of that e-commerce is a complicated space. And I think a lot of people get this wrong, including accountants, if I'm completely honest. And I think that that boils down to if they've only got one e-commerce client and they're used to just dealing with general sort of brick and mortar businesses, then they just don't have the time to focus on learning how to really get to the nitty gritty of getting an e-commerce business's account correct. So I think that having people like yourselves who can then decide you want to focus and niche down into that e-commerce space is only going to be a good thing for the industry. I'm excited to see where it goes, and especially with our partnership as well. If we're moving on a bit to the e-commerce uh, small medium enterprise space, what would you say was a good profit margin for an e-commerce business? Put you really on the spot here. Well, that would be putting me on the spot, actually, because <laughs> I'm not even sure what you'd actually want to expect. What would you want to expect out of it? Yeah, so for me, I think that it boils down to a couple of things. I was speaking to Ben Leonard the other day on, on another show. And we were talking about that it sort of boils down to two things. You've got the gross profit, which is when you're looking at your marketplace and you're thinking, okay, I'm making this much in sale for this product minus my Amazon fees, minus the actual cost of the item. We would call that gross profit. But then that's not really the end of the picture. And so we were saying that we wanted to have at least a 40% gross margin, so to speak. And then you've got all the other things that come out like advertising costs, cost for your VA, the cost for them 
design and your initial package and all your other business expenses that come out on top of that. Once you've taken all of those out, we were saying that somewhere between a 15 and 20% net margin would be a good place to be. How would you feel that compares to sort of the other businesses that you work with? I mean, e-commerce is obviously high volume. Would you say it was lower margin? I'll tell you what, let's, let's compare it back to the crunch and happy to divulge these details. So you'd want to have a gross profit of 60 plus percent and, you know, net profit 10-ish percent where you'd be going for and obviously increasing that. Now, that involves us actually investing literally millions into building the platform, which we're, we're continuing to do. Very, very expensive thing. So that's the area. If you can keep going but past 20% as e-commerce business, then you'd be doing brilliantly. But yeah, 50%, 60% gross profit, you know, 10, 20 in that range is is where you want. And if you can keep eking it out, then absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And so I suppose the million dollar question, which we're talking about in this episode is around how can your accountant or how can your accountancy firm like Crunch help you to achieve better results in terms of profitability in your e-com business? I think that goes from doing compliance well and understanding the business and the product we what we're adding in is obviously managed forecasting. So how does the business look and then what targets are we looking to achieve? You know, looking into that area in absolute detail is when you can start spotting stuff for the client going, well, why have we got to spend here? It's very similar to crunch. During the pandemic, we had to do the most ridiculous, avid cost management on a literally a daily basis to see us through. We're so, so many of our competitors have you know gone pop, coconut, what's was sold for a pound. So you have to be very, very careful on everything, all your software costs and what you spend here. And as you religiously go through the business, you start spotting stuff like, well, you know, why have I got all that stock still sitting there? I, I don't think many e-commerce businesses would, you know, fall into that trap, but uh, you know, a lot of people do. We had, you know, loads of software subscriptions going. You know, you, you look at the, the team, do you need, is the team really good? Is they, are they really productive? Are they efficient? You know, if people hand their notice in who weren't performing brilliantly, don't replace them if you possibly can. So you start looking through the entire business and cost uh, managing it. Whilst on the other hand, you're thinking in the marketing and the product side, what's going to bring you in the, the, you know, the real revenue. Yeah. And so I suppose that sort of leads on to my next point around if an e-commerce business that comes to you and you start to do their financials and you realize that they're actually failing, i.e. they're not actually making the profit they thought they were making because they haven't been taking into account all these additional business expenses that they literally just looked at the sale minus the costs that they had on Amazon and they thought, okay, I'm making money, let's, let's buy more of those. What sort of advice would you be given that? What would the conversations look like? We've spoken about this. And I think it's a brilliant case study to do. We have jerryanderson.com. As a kid, I love Thunderbirds. We have a million pound plus turnover Shopify site that's doing well. And the team will be going through the, uh, this, this very process with them. They're yeah, amazing. You're an amazing creative, the son of Jerry Anderson running it, and an amazing FD, Andrew, who's now looking at that and going to be working with the team on analyzing all parts of the business. You know, where's it going wrong? Which countries are doing better? Why is the cost based on that there? Can we do better? And you just go through. So it's always the fourth bridge. You start painting, you go through and you're working on all the different possibilities in the business to keep uh, to tune it up. I would say if we want to go in, into serious detail on, on an e-commerce, I will wheel in for another show. <laughs> These geniuses of accountants that uh, you know are loving being on e-commerce now because they're not just doing you know simple sets of accounts, 
and all the things they approach and how they attack it. Yeah, no, I totally appreciate that. So if we maybe pivot a little bit here then and we talk a little bit more about crunch itself, obviously one of the things I know personally about you, I'm going totally off script here, so the editors will probably have a field day, but one of the things that I know about crunch is that you are very good at SEO. You're very good at making sure that your content is ranking for the correct keywords. And I suppose that could link in nicely to an e-commerce business who wants to try and expand their reach through maybe a Shopify store. And so they are looking to create articles and to rank their content so that they can bring more people into their funnel and sell them their products. So what sort of advice or tips, what things have you learned along the way? Because you're a, you're a master at that. Yeah, thank you. That's right from the beginning. I had it in my mind that we had to write you know, lots of great content. We had to help. We created a community day one and it had to have useful content on it. So that mantra stayed all the way through. We actually had a different site, just a bit of history. We had a freelance advisor and then we melded it into Crunch. So that's where it comes from, this genuine intent to help these end users with all of their struggles, not just accountancy and tax, and to get great writers in. And that's what we've carried on doing. And we've got uh, a brilliant ex-agency writer in at the moment who's churning a massive content out answering the questions people really want to know, looking at the main search volumes in areas and keep putting them up. You know, there's a bit of SEO work that goes into that. We've got an amazing SEO agency. We have rebuilt the site three times to line up with Google's persistent algorithm changes. And just on the day of release, they did another algorithm change. So you've got to be very hot on your toes. But I think fundamentally, it comes down to answering the questions of your users and looking at what's being searched for, all very, very easy to do, and write content. Obviously, ChatGPT can help out hugely, but it needs that human element right across that you can't chuck rubbish up because rubbish in will be rubbish performance in SEO terms, you know, out the other side. So yeah, it's just this religious, you know, and, and before we spoke today, I had a stack of article ideas and in particular, you know, industry area. And I sent them over to James, like James, you know, get in the queue. So yeah, literally about 30 of these articles a month are going up, but it's a specific structure that fits Google's algorithm, an amazing SEO agency, which is actually a freelancer. He's a great guy, Andrew. And yeah, you just work ever, ever hard on that. And the height of our SEO point was pre-2019, I think, with about 400,000 users a month. Now, that is going some. That would probably be the number one ranking you know, site in the accountancy world. We're now in the, you know, the 100, 120, going up to 150,000 sessions. It's got slightly different names now as you know, and uh, yeah, just keep working hard and keep keeping a track of what the algorithms are doing. And I think you can't do that without an expert sitting along, alongside. Yeah. I also think that it's important to write to a person. I think I know you're saying ChatGPT and give it the human touch, but I think one of the things that we found success in, in terms of not just article writing, but also the conversion optimization for the website, which e-commerce sellers can think about as well, is to have your ideal customer persona, that avatar in mind of who are you writing to. And I'm not just talking about thinking about, oh, I'm, I'm writing to a dog walker because I'm selling dog leads or whatever. I'm thinking about what are their challenges? What are their pain points? What are their things that they're going through that they need help with? What are the things that they like and dislike? 
building them out as a total persona. And then I also give them names. So we have one called Andrew the Accountant. And we have loads of information about him. And it's like a big one pager with a picture of someone who we think looks like Andrew the Accountant. And whenever we write an article targeting accountants, we're always thinking about Andrew and what he would think about this article. And I think that that in itself is quite a, a cool strategy. I'm just wondering if, if I pick your brain a little bit, do you do stuff like that? Yeah, we definitely got personas. But yeah, as long as you've got that, I think if you, if you get in your head, I want to sell something, you know, the, the whole copy and the, the content strategy will come out that way. And it's, it needs to be authentic. If the, the genuine intent, whatever you're doing is at the end of the day, any product should hopefully be useful, you know, uh, it, it, then solve a problem for someone. So as long as it's coming from that perspective, and I know ours is service and there's so much help that people can get and so many people stick their heads in the sand. So probably marginally easier to write for that. But yeah, it's, that's the intent and personas really, really do help. So the industry sector that we were doing this morning is something that would make me really happy. And it's a, it's a whole area of society that are creatives and work incredibly hard, make jack diddly money and probably aren't claiming what they should for all of that huge investment in their art form. And they're like, yeah, an article on that, you know, would be great. A webinar on that, like you're doing webinars uh, for e-commerce. These are all content is, I I think that's where it's at. So it shouldn't just be the written word. YouTube is great. I'm here on uh, TikToks uh, now. So I've, you know, I want to spend my own money on on the setup. And they went, you've got to do TikToks. Here's here's all the TikToks. And I went, uh, right, okay, let me, let me go look at this. What, what? What's this girl prancing up and down a bedroom for? You know, what is what is this whole platform for? Like, okay, I'll record a couple. Oh, wait a minute, it's portrait. Oh, damn. Now I've got to like get the camera on end. And they, then, yeah, there's all, all these different woes with different pieces of content. The written form has become easier with ChatGPT. But yeah, with the right intent. And when you go for it, you've got to go for it and commit to it. You can't just chuck one out every month because you're going to get nowhere set like quite a harsh target for yourself you know 15 a month would be good 30 would be outstanding and more and then you clearly need help for that yeah so thinking about commitments then i'm going to make another pivot here and i'm just reading some of the notes from our guys apparently in 2015 in an interview with the guardian you were quoted saying that your long-term goal was to have this complete efficient operation where the system can do your whole year-end accounts in seconds have you achieved this yeah, that was achieved back in 2014 or 15, I think it was. So the the premise there was that if you go back to the history that I gave you, and you got to imagine this dark basementy thing we were in, we built the system, building a double entry accounting system is the most ridiculous thing to build ever. And build a live tax system is ridiculous you know, in itself. So you have to build it in stages. So every VAT quarter... You know, everybody's doing it manually, right? We have to build that to make ourselves more efficient. So we've approached it in a completely different way to that of Zero and QuickBooks, who have built the, the entire framework out with billions behind them. And the next problem area, which you want to make really, really efficient, obviously there's loads of little bits in between, is annual accounts. If you can completely systematize that and produce that in seconds, then you're really, really making the business far, far more efficient and you don't need loads more accountants and, and loads more client managers, which we have. A lot of people wonder why we've got, we've got both. It's all about customer service. So that was built years ago 
and Zero took, I think, another two to three years before they produced that automated annual accounts preparation system. And then Free Agent came after that. I think QuickBooks is, I think it might have it, it might not. But yeah, it's um, everything in crunch is about efficiency because we don't have a big pile of cash like QuickBooks or, or Zero do. And you have to do it in the order that it gives you more efficiency. Otherwise, you know, you kill your net profit, your gross profit by piling in people to do stuff that the system could do and, you know, if you built it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I think that being able to build crunch to where you've built it to without having venture capital behind you is a hats off moment. So well done, Darren. I think that it's not very often you see a business grow to your size without having serious cash behind it. So you're obviously doing a lot of good things along the way. And I think that the thing that I've pulled out of that is customer service. Like I personally think that whilst there's lots of good companies out there, lots of good service providers, lots of good softwares, the ones that get talked about the most, the ones that really do have raving fans as customers that are so loyal that will recommend to every single person who they think will fit the bill, they are the ones who go the extra mile with customer support. And I know now having worked with you and your team for, what is it, maybe 18 months now, that you do go the extra mile. We share a lot of customers and when we talk to them, you can see that they really do value the amount of effort that we're putting in from both sides. So I think that that is maybe one of your success stories as well. Yeah, thank you. It's made it harder, but it's made it easier as well. And, you know, so many people look at a firm and judge them by their investment and who's invested in them. Oh, Sequoia's invested in you. You must be the golden child. You, you can chat to all these people, but at the end of the day, you've got to have a character fit. And in the early days, nobody understood. And I still argue that so many of them don't understand software and service. Because they go, well, can't you get rid of the people and do it in AI? Now, that'd be the, that'd be the thing. No, because accounting and tax has so many complex nuances. You need that. Yes, we can keep streamlining it. Yes, we are adding AI and automatic reconciliation and all of that. There was never a character fit there. We spoke to private equity firms and we realized stark difference between the two types of investors. And I... I'm truly thankful we never took any money from private equity. They operate in a, in a kind of a far harsher mode. They want to strip it to its basics. They prefer not to invest in, in the product. They want to make healthy margins. They're going to fill it with debt and they're going to flog it on as fast as they can. And I'm going to use this word. It's quite a strong word. They've invaded the accountancy area because the other markets fell up, you know, they're, they're more traditional areas they're investing in. They've chosen service because it, it generates loads of money, but they're only going into it so they can strip back the service, make the margin, and then flog it on again. So we've had numerous conversations with some of the biggest private equity firms and got kind of excited about that. And they're like, we don't actually like, we don't like what you do. It's not a character fit. We love our customers. We love our team. And we're going to carry on building it up. And I'm not saying that we won't be up for an investment because we did a crowdfund. That felt far more us. Take money from the community, make the community money. You know, and we will make community money. We set the price in the crowdfund on Cedars at an incredibly fair level, not what everybody else does on on you know these crowdfunding platforms and say incredibly high. And then, you know, they run aground as as did Coconut. Great, great guys, but they, you know, they they certainly rinsed their investors, unfortunately. So yeah, we have not taken any money from any of those uh, types of investors. But I think as 
there's more of an ethical VC, there's more of an ethical investor out there that we would have conversations with. And the growth is now picking up after we've you know, been through the pandemic and, uh, and come out the other side. Got some great innovative products, super excited about e-commerce and working with you. We've only just started uh, on, on that area. So yeah, once we've got the growth, then we'll probably have some conversations, but they really, really have to be very ethical operator. And there's very, very few of those, something like Octopus, and they've gone to the trouble of certifying themselves as a B Corp. So yeah, don't want to mean to go on about that. Again, my, my pedestal there, Dan, but yeah, like investors, our message is, is a massive warning one. Yeah, some brilliant investors out there. It's proved to be one of the best things we've ever done, I think. Having gone through the pandemic, almost certainly they would either have shut us down because the growth wasn't there, they would have sold us on for cheap, they would have booted half the team out, all things that we wouldn't have done. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand. I think a lot of businesses struggled during the pandemic and I reckon that a lot of the investors probably did think like that, that they just want to gain the best from their investment and reduce their risk and think shutting down businesses is not a decision that's out of hands. So yeah, I totally agree. Um, okay, so we're getting towards the end here. So um, maybe you can answer this one. How do you see the e-commerce industry changing with technology and AI over the next decade? Well, that's a, that's an interesting one. I, th- I think for you and I, it'd be really exciting. But still, let's add the fact in you've got to have the experts. This is too complicated even for AI, even when you're going global. I think, yeah, we're certainly testing out AI capabilities on all the feeds. Categorization is obvious. Other things. But yeah, you still need the experts. So I think you know, those mundane tasks, of course, bolted in categorization, yep. treatment of feeds. I mean, uh, Link My Books does brilliant work with all the treatment and it makes our job so much simpler. But yeah, what other AI elements can you add, add in there? I think we're going to see a lot of change to those mundane tasks. And I believe, not necessarily the e-commerce uh, world, we're going to see the likes of QuickBooks who are, are spending tens and tens of millions of dollars on AI teams. Ideally, what those big players want to do on the smaller end of the market is to remove the accountant. And that honestly is their their mantra. Uh, They can sell software products, they can get high margin there, and they can sell it by the truckload. So yeah, on simpler accounts, you can do a lot more AI work, you can do a lot more tax work. But I still think someone, some real expert looking at it going, you know, no, no, no. Your, your wife's involved there. There's that. There's that expense. There's that tuning there. Something that AI wouldn't pick up the whole picture, the context of the situation. Maybe in the future it will. But yeah, all of the professions like legal, you know, we've got uh, portfolios of contracts that can be built on. But again, like people like Lawbytes is, is like a crunch. Have the expert sitting on the side, yes, you can do it all electronically and, and press the button, but you stand a risk of things going wrong, add the expert into the mix, pay a bit of extra money and make sure everything is correct. Make sure the treatment is, all the tax treatments are correct. Make sure the whole context of the situation has been understood. I think it's super important that you know, the professionals, probably less so on the day-to-day, that can be almost all automated, but looking at each client's situation and making sure it is actually absolutely perfect. Yeah, because so many bits of software in our world, you can press the button, the self-assessment goes in. You are trusting all of our rules. You're trusting that you haven't made some big mistake. And I can promise everybody, we haven't seen any, but tax investigations from HMRC, once they get your the hooks in you, they will never, ever give up. 
and it's horrendous. So that's when you need tax protection insurance and things like that. Now, that's relying on a piece of software. If you're prepared to do that, then you're taking a risk. And that's where it comes back to the AI conversation. You need the expert alongside anything as complicated as tax, accounting, legal, and and other professions, no doubt. Yeah. And I agree. I think the way that I see it is that AI technology can help to gather the information and put it into the right places. But I think that the people, the accountants, the bookkeepers are still going to need to be there in order to tell the clients what that actually means. So here is all the data that's been inputted by software. And this is what it actually means. This is why we can make these decisions in the business because of the data we have here. And I think that for AI to make those decisions based on simply data without having the expertise of being an accountant for 15 years or being able to see other client data and be able to compare, it's just, it's far, far away at the moment. And that's why I think that it always comes back to this customer service side of things like an AI bot. You're not going to be able to have a conversation with, well, you probably can, but you know what I mean? Like that human touch, being able to just sit down and have a cup of coffee with your accountant once a quarter or whatever and be able to go through and how can I better deliver results in the EU? Like ask those questions and get the correct answers. So I think that's where where I see it going is maybe we'll get more towards the software of data entry, which I think is needed. But I think that the actual questions and analysis is, is not going to be there yet. And exactly. I mean, because if a business like like ourselves uses it cleverly and in the right places, then we can make our business so efficient and reduce the cost so much, we leave the portion there for service. And that expert and very cleverly organize that time as well. I mean, you go into any, say, tax assist office. And there's, you, know, the, you can't find the accountant because he's behind piles of paperwork, you know, literally stacked up, up on the desk. So if you make that time super efficient, you don't have that issue. We can then give that service element, all that expertise, you know, that 10 years experience. How, you know, there's, there's, some of the team have got like ridiculous amounts of experience and go, from my experience, I've seen this happen before. Try this and this can increase your net profit. You know, using all of our rules-based systems and and now progressively bits of AI in our systems, we can get our e-commerce product down to £113 a month with one of those experts involved still. Yeah. That's where I think it should be used cleverly. Now, of course, what the big players will try and do is they will try to eliminate that expert completely so they can get the high margin, you know, the net profit to their business, not going to the channel. I think, yeah, use cleverly and mix it with absolute expertise. You can really, really maximize the potential and the pricing point for accountancy has come down hugely. Yeah, and I agree. I think we talk about this quite a lot, I think, my books as well, in terms of we want to get it from a place where accountants and bookkeepers spend 90% of their time finding and entering the data and only 10% actually advising on what it means to flip that completely on its head that you spend 10% or less of your time actually gathering the data from the sales channels and inputting it into Zero or QuickBooks. And then 90% of your time should be focused on, okay, let's work out what this means for the business. How can we then make them grow faster? So that we are, we are really passionate about that as well. And I think we're nearly there. I think that AI is going to definitely help in the coming years. But yeah, I think we're, we're making strides. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, that's the, the name of the game is advisory. And a lot of accountants moving there because they have to, you know, you can't just win off of compliance work and it's boring as well. 
You know, you you want to really, like you do, you want to genuinely help these businesses uh, succeed. You want them to hit their targets. You don't want them to be, you know, working all weekend and, you know, ridiculous hours per day just doing the mundane stuff. You want to give them the time and the the space to look at their business and go, ah, oh, brilliant. Oh, this product, I'm definitely going to Japan now. And I really, really see it, give them the space. So, um, Okay, so I've got three closing questions here. First is, what advice would you give to an e-commerce business that is just starting out to ensure that they can be successful and profitable? I would say this, but make sure you get all the basics, foundations of the business sorted out. Find a good accountant, plumb it in properly. So using something like Link My Books, and then you've got the absolute basics working for you so you can then actually build on, on a profit. So many people like start, buying the products and quickly creating the whole business and then come back to the plumbing of the business afterwards and have got themselves in an almighty pickle and that then consumes so much time. That's advice coming from my perspective. We have to wade in and see like amazing e-commerce people. They're clearly very talented and they've gone the wrong way around and ended up creating a mess and I think you see it all the time. That's very much what Link My Books is, is, is designed to do. Get the plumbing sorted out first is the absolute, the foundation of a business is so, so key. And I learned all of that from Pure360, building a, my email marketing business, which is avidly anti-spam, moving to crunch. So everything was built properly, pick the right software for us, get a really good bookkeeper in. You know, get all of the things, get the HR documents, you know, right, you know, hire the staff, get all of the basics, start there before you run a million miles and you've got a whole warehouse full of the product and you go, oh my God, I've got the tax return due tomorrow and, you know, you haven't sorted anything out. So yeah, that's, that's key. No, and I totally agree. I think that getting all those foundational aspects in place, it's a bit of a funny one because it's almost a cliche, isn't it? It's like... People like shiny new objects, so often what we'll see in the industry is that people like to try all the tools, but they don't like to try and get their accounts in place. They don't like to try and get their HR stuff in place, as you said. But I think that that almost does need to be done first in order to lay the foundation so that you know from the very outset, what are your profitable products? What are your profitable niches? What are your marketplaces that are doing well? What are the ones that aren't doing well? Which ones are giving you the most amount of refunds? Why are they doing that? Being able to analyze all that information so that you can build your business from the beginning to be profitable. And that that will so much help you with cash flow. I think one of the biggest problems I had when I was running my e-commerce business was cash flow. It was that even though I was doing 30,000 orders a month and I was making 4 million in turnover, one of the things that I was always struggling with was I had a list of new product ideas and I just didn't have the cash to buy them because I had orders in place all the time. And I think being able to understand why that is would have helped me to grow faster. So I think that getting that all in place is a good. Yeah, that's the next answer or next part to the answer is actually analyzing it. We build accounting software and you have to come to that realization. You can't do everything yourself. So we need the very best software. So we got to link my books. You know, we've picked uh, the right analytical uh, software, the right forecasting software, so we can we can start building out that that real advisory side to, to help them. I think that's the bit where it gets really exciting. And you know, one simple suggestion from an accountant can make a huge difference to the the whole functioning of the business and the net profit can jump up. And I think that's exciting. So you know, looking at the figures with that space around you is nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. 
Okay, so looking forward to 2024, what should e-commerce small medium enterprises look to do to have a successful financial year? feels like we're actually coming through a difficult time now. This is how it feels anyway. We're, we're starting to see a pickup uh, from our side. So make sure you get the foundation properly in place whenever your quiet time is. Set aside, almost plug out the calendar to start getting all of the, the things we've just spoken about, all of the foundational components in place and start looking at the, the forecasting, making sure You've got, you're analyzing your cash flow. You can spot holes a mile off. You know how to plug them. You know when you've, you need a stockpile of cash to buy more products, but you don't know what those products are yet. Yeah, it'd be about like getting ready for the business to go to that, that next level. Again, all the foundational components so you can see clearly would it be, again, it's the same, the same advice again and again, but it makes such a difference to us. From my experience of Crunch, I do, you know, the beginning I pile in, I start building the team, I get the software, the first prototype working, and yes, I do get the foundational bits right, but you, it's so easy to pile in for the year coming, get super excited, and then something kicks you in the butt. Be prepared. Find that time in the calendar, plug it in, and yeah, I think you'll be ready. It feels like 24 is going to be good. Yeah, I think remaining agile is definitely something that people are going to need to just get used to. I think we're not going up and down like we did previously. I think it is very much a roller coaster. So we need to make sure that we stay agile. Okay, so last question, bit of a curveball here. So you're having a cocktail party and you're inviting three people who are going to help you to help e-commerce sellers drive profitability. Who are they? E-commerce, but um, <laughs> that is what a curveball, Dan. Whoa, I didn't even see that in the preparation questions. This sounds cheesy though. I'd bring some of our senior accountants. Yeah. <laughs> I would bring I'd bring you in to make sure they had the plumbing right. That's absolutely key. I think the suggestions from you is about like new channels, because you can see if the channels, you know, say for example, TikTok, loving that whole area there. Stuff that, you know, they could religiously have been stuck in in a world of Amazon. But no, there's other channels coming. TikTok's one of them, which can like go stratospheric for you. And yeah, I'd really dig out, you know, someone who was good on like mapping out the business, the forecasting. You never know. You may want to put the business into a position where you go and get investment. Like, look, here is my track record. One of my three people that's coming to that cocktail party is a forecaster who's going to use the software and we're going to map out your business and create a business plan off of that. And if it's got the net profit you're talking about and the gross profit you're talking about and the trajectory you're talking about, then why not get some money? And that business plan may be to go and buy stock, which is a bit cheaper. It may be a situation for equity. I don't know. But yeah, it's surround yourself with experts. We've been looking at going into the States. And that was exactly the mantra from the whole team that gave this whole day workshop is the experts are indispensable. Surround yourself. The lawyer, it's a different relationship with the lawyer there. The lawyer is always there making sure you don't make a mistake. The accountant is always there making sure you navigate the, the 52 states uh, and the complexity of federal and state taxes. You surround yourself with experts. Initially, when you asked that question, I was like, do I want to bring a film star with me? No, they'd be absolutely useless for e-commerce. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, bring and surround yourself with experts. Because some of these conversations, are, you know, you wouldn't have ordinarily gone out to CK, you know, forecasting, analytical, you know, often they're quite boffin-like. Boffin After an hour, you come away and go, oh, my God, I can do that with the business. Oh, the cash flow sorted there. So there's my response. Sounds, sounds a little bit dull. 
I'd like to be bringing Tom Cruise and you know and, and a few few other great characters to the cocktail party, but unfortunately, yeah. mine going to be uh, going to be experts. Yeah. No, well, I think that would definitely help e-commerce businesses drive profitability, which is the name of the game. It is. Before we finish here, anything you want to give to the audience in terms of parting advice and also if you can give your contact details so that people can get in touch and if they want to sign up with Crunch. Oh, yeah, no, thank you. So crunch.co.uk, go on there and find the, it's currently called Small and Growing Business, but we're going to change the name to Enterprise because that makes far, far more sense. And there is an ever-growing area of e-commerce articles that we're writing in our 30 plus a month. Everybody's getting super excited, as you can see, about e-commerce. So yeah, go crunch.co.uk, go and find the small growing business as enterprise section, loads of articles, and book a Calendly uh, link and talk to one of the senior advisors. And we're hiring another one. Caroline's coming in for December. We've already got Dan along with the other rest of the sales team. So we've got some real experts in there and some very, very expert accountants who will be coming along to the next one, Dan, when you start asking complicated e-commerce questions, which I don't do in my day-to-day job. But yeah, we might do that. Yeah, you can chat away to them. You can book in uh, video calls with them uh, and we'd be more than happy to help. Yeah. No, that sounds like a plan. I would certainly be up for chatting to one of your e-commerce accountants and we can run through some of these questions with them as well. See if we can get some tips from them as well. But yeah, much appreciated for your time today, Darren. It's really good to pick your brains. I actually like the fact that you're an entrepreneur who started an accountancy practice and service and software and is in genuinely turning the industry on its head. I think that we've got a lot of good work that we can do with Crunch and I'm excited to see where it goes. Much appreciated for your time today, mate. No problem at all. No, thank you. As you know, loving my books uh, and what you guys are doing. And yeah, it's, it's an area we wanted to do for so long and our clients wanted us to do. So now we're in it. Everybody's excited about it. So yeah, let's go for it and help all these uh, amazing e-commerce businesses out there. That's it. Thanks for today. Speak to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. The e-commerce profitability show is brought to you by Link My Books. To find out more about Link My Books and how to accurately automate your e-commerce bookkeeping to ensure profitable growth, visit linkmybooks.com and then make sure to search for e-commerce profitability in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Link My Books, thanks for listening.